0: Good morning, once again, um, we are in chapter 4 of Philippians, we're going to finish up the chapter today, and we, just to recap what led up to where we're going to be at in verse 10, uh, verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication. And then he says, Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about these things. So he tells us he in the last few verses before 10 here, he tells us, you know, some practical things as Christians. You know, we should have a prayer life. And, and we should be praying in all things. Praying in all things. But then also, you know, in, as we pray, we're going to be attacked. We as Christians, we are people of the way. We are followers of Christ. And so as we begin to follow Christ, you know, we're going to get that attack from the enemy. The enemy is not happy that we are of the way. Of His way, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, a lot of the battle is is up in our minds. He'll attack the mind. He'll make us think we're not worthy, we're, we're worthless, we don't have a place in God. Uh, that we're it, we're too far gone. That there's no hope for us. He would just just fire his shots at us in our minds, our thoughts, uh, to make us think, to believe these things, to believe that we're not worthy of His love. And we are. We are we're not worthy. It's true. Often the enemy uses uh, truth. Uh, th- these are true. We are not worthy. But you know what? He loves us. Even so. Even so, he still loves us. That will not change. That will not change. Even though, yes, we are not worthy. And so, you know, he tells us, think on these things. These are things to think about. And often, when you look at that, and we looked at last week, is that this is all about Jesus anyways. Think about Jesus. Think about him. He is praiseworthy. He is of virtue. He's just and true and noble. And if we think about him, we think about those things about him, about Jesus. You know, those, that'll help us as we continue in the Lord, as we walk with the Lord, uh, and we do get that attack. That Paul's telling us, "Hey, look, think on these things. Think on these things, so that you can continue doing what God has called you to do." You don't get distracted by the fiery darts of the enemy that would seek to get you off track and away from the Lord. right? And so then he starts in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord uh, at last that you renewed your concern for me. I've entitled this message, uh, Caring and Sharing. And so he says, Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Or in other words, your care for me has flourished again, has come alive again. Like like a, a, a tree that goes dormant in the winter and then in the, in the springtime it starts to blossom again. You know, he's saying it flourished again. It's come back again, he's saying. The Philippians were concerned for the well-being of Paul. They had him in their thoughts. You know, the word care means to think about, to be thinking about to be mindful, to be concerned for. It also means to be devoted to, to be devoted. And so the Philippians, were, they were thinking about, they were concerned about Paul. They were devoted to him as well. They were devoted to taking care of him in the ministry. They were concerned for the well-being of Paul. They had him in their thoughts, so much so that they understood his needs and then also, not only did they, oh yeah, that's okay. I, I see your needs, and okay, that's good. And be blessed and filled. You know, <laughs> see you later. They didn't do that. They said, I know. I oh, you know what? He has needs. They also went the extra mile. They sought to meet those needs. It's really a picture of love and action. It's describing someone who loves another, seeing that they have need. Not only just seeing oh yeah, that poor guy, but actually doing something about it. Love and action. They were concerned for Paul, who also, uh, but also concerned for him enough uh, to do something about it, love and action. The Philippians may or may not have had a lot of money, but they had a heart to supply what Paul was needing. I remember, this kind of reminds me of just in my own life, I, I uh, spent some time in Mexico uh, and uh, we... Um, we had spent about six weeks in uh, Baja uh, at an orphanage, and they had a little orphanage uh, up on a hillside, Colina de Luz, and it, at the base of the hill was this little ministry house, and uh, it was just vacant, and they let us stay there for six weeks. And so um, we had arranged and felt that we needed, uh, we're going into this, new country, this new culture, this, you know, we're going to go start a church in a culture that we're not really familiar with so much. And so we were like, well, you know, we need to probably get some cross-cultural tra- training, you know, we got biblical training, but we didn't have this cross-cultural training, you know, to understand the culture so that we could be culturally sensitive to them, you know, and, um, and so we had arranged with a couple of pastors, Jeff Jackson uh, of Calvary Escondido, um, John Michaels of Calvary Spring Valley in Nevada. They were both teachers of the Bible college at the time, and so on their days that they were teaching there, they'd drive down from Marietta down to uh, Baja, cross the border, go to this orphanage and teach us uh, because they were well-versed in foreign uh, missions. They had gone all over the world, both these guys. Jeff Jackson was a missionary for 15 years in the Philippines. Um, John Michaels had gone all over the world uh, in every culture you can think of, and he was well versed in in cultural things. And so, what better guys? You know, these guys that were culturally understood the sensitivities that uh, that needed to take place when you go into a different culture. And so, uh, they would meet with us at the orphanage there. And, uh, and teach us about things, you know, like what not to eat, you know, or, or actually not what, what not to eat, what to eat if it was offered to you, you know, and even if you didn't like it, you know, um, you know, even if it wasn't really appealing to you, you would just, you know, um, one of the things is just, you know, accept it, receive it with thanksgiving, you know, and, um, you know, don't offend someone because maybe that's something that they're given everything they have, everything that, that a lot of times that I've found is a lot of times they'll give you the best thing the best thing um, and and then they'll go without you know um, that's what I found you know is that they'll give you the last little piece of chicken you know that they might have in their home in their house you know and just for you because you're their guest you know and so we went through this class, and we ministered as well, and our time off there, we would go, there was some surrounding ministries there, and in, in Rosarito, and, and uh, uh, in Tijuana, we, we ministered to a place called, uh, in a colony called Pedro Gales, and it was basically shantytown, it was just basically pallets, and whatever you could find to make houses on the hillside, and uh, there was a church there, a friend of mine, Chris Martinez, is a pastor, and he um he's now moved into inner city in the tijuana there and has a church and um he uh but he had a ministry there at the time that we we would kind of help out with and um, also la posada which is down in rosarito and um and so we got cr- cross culturally trained there and then we left there and then we started heading down to where we wanted to be where where the lord was calling us to be and that was in central mexico way down about 30 33 hour drive down past the border and uh, down mainland Mexico, and so we get to about Hermosillo. We're driving a four-wheel drive uh, van, twelve-passenger van. We're towing a VW bus behind us uh, that someone had donated to us. Uh, they had a restored uh, motor, and um, we're towing it. And we get just past Hermosillo, and our car conks out. The van conks out on the highway on the on the carretera, uh, and uh, we just like, oh no, what's going on? Smoking, oil dumping everywhere. So we unhitch the, uh, the VW and we drive back to Hermosillo just praying, Lord, what are you going to do? What, what, what are we going to do? Lord, just direct us. You know, we don't know what's going on, what, how to take care of this. I mean, we're, we're kind of stranded and, you know, and, um, well, we start praying and, and the Lord just kind of led us to some, uh, neighborhood and there was a church and we said, you know, let's go, let's go visit that church. And so we go visit the church and they're having, they're actually in service and teaching us, having a Bible study so we sit in the back row until they're finished we pastor is finished and uh we we confront him and tell him hey you got you got a mechanic in your fellowship that could help us out we're missionaries we're going down to st- plan a church and our, our van died on us oh yeah we got a we got a mechanic we got a mechanic and uh we, we, he'll help you out so so we go okay and um so we get the car towed we tow it back to the the uh the uh, mechanics front yard and uh He assesses it and says that the motor's blown. And we're just like, oh, you're kidding me. And so we're like, okay, Lord, you know, And well, can we stay here? Can he fix it? Yeah, he can fix it. uh, But it's going to take a while because we've got to order parts, and they're going to be, you know, it's going to take a while to get this. So we ended up, uh, we're like, well, can we stay in the church? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, we're gonna we're gonna ask the, the church, you know, and uh, ask families and oh, a bunch of families. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take a few of them. You know, we'll take a few. You know, we'll take a few. And so and so we, we had there was nine of us uh, Bible college students that had graduated, single uh, Bible college students, and then we had a family of five that were with us as well. So they divvied us all up into different families, and uh, we got to eat and live and and just you know uh, spend time with these families um, that just took us in took us in as like part of the family and and just loved on us. (laughs) I talk about this because it was spoke so much of a a church that gives, that loves people. And we always used to say um, that the people would minister to us more than we would minister to them. And um, it was true. It was true. There was so much culturally that is amazing in, in Mexico. The people, you know, they love people. There's a it's cultural uh, love there. And um, so amazing, so blessed. And they just they extended their hand out to us, and we spent time there. We, you know, I was young, I was in my twenties, and so I was more towards the youth. And the youth just took us out, and we went and played soccer. And we took around, you know, hopped on a bus and did, gave us a tour around town. And one of the kids uh, was an amazing soccer player, and. And I loved soccer and, and uh, so that was kinda of one of our little things that we shared a common bond in and he said, Here, I'll give you my shirt, you know, my jersey, my soccer jersey, and I still have it. It says Hermosillo on the back, number ten, green jersey with a white collar, you know, I still have it. I put it on sometimes and you know, it's, it's basically like a halter top on me and I can <laughs> barely squeeze into it, you know, my belly button shows and and uh, and so you know but uh, i still remember it I, I i still hold on to that little that shirt you know i still have it hung, hung up in my closet I, it's like i'll never give get rid of that you know it's because it was just a little thing little thing but meant a lot to me meant a lot that guy probably is playing pro ball somewhere you know and i got his jersey you know i had a you know but Amazing time, you know, how the Lord just took care of us, you know, with a church that didn't even know us and, uh, provided for us, took care of us, fed us. We, we returned the favor with a a, a money gift, you know, to say thank you for what they did, you know, paying for the parts and all that. And, and, uh, as well as the labor. And, uh, but they, they sent us on the road two weeks later. We spent two weeks with these families and, uh, and then we got on the road, and and, uh, and then another incident where I'll get into that in a minute, but uh, in regards to that same church, um, that's the kind of care the Philippians had. You know, the Philippians had that kind of care. You know, uh, towards Paul, they really did care for him. You know, and his needs, they had a burden for Paul that that drove them not to only want to, but actually do something. About providing for him, you know, Paul says that they surely did care, but lacked the opportunity. You know, Pastor Chuck spoke about this earlier. You know, in chapter two, they didn't have like a, a you know a FedEx or um, you know UPS. You know, they couldn't get pa- packages out to people. You know, overnight express. You know, and so it was tough to get a package. You know, to to these guys, especially Paul. He was on the move a lot, you know. Uh, You never knew where Paul was going to be, you know. He was constantly moving. And you sent it to Thessalonica, and all of a sudden, he's not in Thessalonica anymore. He's in Berea, you know. And so, uh, you know, it was really hard. It was tricky getting him stuff. But they wanted to do that, but often uh, they didn't have, um, you know, they lacked the opportunity, it says. It says. And so, uh, remember in the book of Acts it says that Paul appealed to Caesar who was in Rome, and so they had no choice but to send him to Rome because he had appealed to, to Caesar. He's like, "No, no, no, I don't want to talk to you. this little guy over here in this town. I want, I want to talk to, I want to talk to Caesar." And they're like, "You sure?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's that's who I want to. You want to play games with me? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll, send me to Rome. You know." And so Paul wasn't he wasn't playing around, and but God had told him. God told him that uh, he was going to, not only were you going to bear witness of me in Jerusalem, but you're also going to bear witness of me in Rome. And so Paul had that reassurance that, you know what, I'm going to get there. I don't know how exactly, but I'm going to get to Rome. I know that much. And so uh, leaving Jerusalem to Caesarea, they sent him from Caesarea uh, under guard, under a Roman guard, on a ship. And as he was on their way to Rome, uh, they shipwreck at the island of Malta and the the first recording of surfing was there uh, the, as the ship broke apart and boards, they all kind of came to shore on boards, you know, and so it's it's a biblical thing to go surfing, you know, that's what I used to tell myself, you know back <laughs> yes, I am stretching it uh, but uh, but you know, hey, you know, I, I wonder what that was like, you know, they wrote it, wrote it on uh, the broken pieces of the ship, you know, but uh, they were stranded on the island of Malta. The people there, uh, you know, were kind of superstitious people. And uh, as Paul reached in to get some firewood, you know, as they're kind of keep warm, he gets bit by a snake, a poisonous snake that those locals knew was a, was a venomous snake. And he was going to probably die. And so they're like, okay, this guy must have done something bad in his life, you know, because he's going to die right now. And so they're waiting and watching. Okay, he's going to die. And uh, he doesn't die. So then they're like, well, maybe he's a god. Let's worship him, you know. And so they begin to worship him and um so they stayed there and some people got saved and then finally got another ship and then they they sail on to Rome and uh and it's there where Epaphroditus who was the Philippian messenger uh finally is able to catch up with Paul uh in Rome as he's chained to a Roman guard uh finally he's not going anywhere now you know and and uh, he's at his destination in Rome uh chained to a guard and so now Epaphroditus uh, from Philippi uh, brings uh, him, is able to bring him, actually deliver him this, this gift that he's referring to here. And, uh, but he says, I know you cared. He's just letting them know here that uh, I know you've been trying to help, but you haven't been able to because of circumstances uh, hindering you. And so verse 11, moving on, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I'm not saying this because I, I, I have a need right now, or, or am in need, for I have learned, he says, to be content, whatever the circumstances. In other words, I'm not asking because I need anything. I'm not asking to try to you know, get something out of you. I, he says, I'm okay. I'm all right. Whether or not you gave me anything, I'll be okay. He's trying to just encourage them to know, because they were concerned, remember, they were concerned for him they were concerned uh, and 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 were thinking about i wonder how paul's doing i w- i hope he's okay you know i hope he's doing all right i hope he's i hope he's eating you know, <laughs> you know i hope he's got clothes on i hope he's you know he's doing okay i mean they're thinking about him they're concerned and caring for him and so you know he was just letting them know i'm okay i'm okay i'm not asking this because i have i'm needing anything um, this is why I've been in my own life so driven to kind of get my my contractor license. It's something that I've had that experience, but it's always been, and I've always had this kind of mentality in my own life, uh, and, and well, in, in ministry anyways, as becoming a Christian, uh, because my first uh, real experience in ministry was in Mexico. Uh, I graduated Bible college and was praying, Lord, what now? And the Lord says. Go, you know, it was like basically go all that, what you've learned now. Now you got to get that out. you got to teach others. You know, it's not just for you to hoard and keep to yourself, but it's now it's time to give out, time to teach, go make disciples. And, and I was praying, I had bumped into this guy and he says, hey, why don't you pray about going to Mexico with me, uh, starting a church. So right out of the gate for me was a, uh, a, a, an Apostle Paul-like ministry. Church planting. That was what the Lord just, boom, gave to me to do. And so, um, and Paul, if you remember, was a tent maker. And so he had a trade that he did. He had this thing, this this job that he knew how to do. He could make tents for you. You know and that was that was a, a a lucrative, well, not lucrative, but it was a it was a trade, it was a viable trade that people needed to have you know, and so he would make money doing that, but sometimes you know how it goes, especially in construction things too, as well uh, you know you got your lean times and your plenty times, you know it just ebbs and flows. And, and I'm sure that happened with him as well. Paul had times where his finances ebbed and flowed. And, um, and, and so sometimes it's, it's a good thing, though. Yes, should we, should we be doing, having a trade of our own or something that we do? Um, but, you know, especially in ministry like Paul was, the same, yes, it's, it's good. It's good to have that. You're not, it's not that you're not trusting the Lord by having that. It's okay to have that. Paul had that. Paul was a tent maker, right? But he's saying it's good, though. It's good, though, to give. It's a good thing for us to give. Um, There's a time for us to give. And the Philippians were doing that. They were giving. They were a giving church. But he says, I learned, though, even if you didn't give, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content Paul learned to be content. Why? Because he came to understand that if he found himself hungry, it was, he realized it was because God gave it to him to be hungry. If he found himself to have plenty, it was because God gave it to him to be, to have plenty. It was God given. He realized that everything is from the Lord. Whether the good, the bad, the ugly. Sometimes you know we go through those things. sometimes we go through times where it 's lean, you know, but he says he learned, and we we shouldn 't beat ourselves up when maybe we 're not so content all the time. You know he, It was something he learned, he learned to be content he didn't just it wasn 't just a natural thing for him to be content in all things. It's something he learned it says, contentment in different situations is something Paul had to learn didn't come naturally. And so verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any way and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And so Paul learned the secret of contentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. How we need to learn contentment and not be chasing after the things that don't matter in eternity. We tend to chase after things that really don't matter in eternity. And then we find ourselves lacking because we spend all of our stuff on things that really don't matter and that can't fulfill. God wants us to have an eternal perspective on life and not so much a worldly perspective looking at things in the light of eternity. We typically don't like those times when maybe there's not much in the bank account. We don't like those times when there's not much in the fridge or the pantry. Or maybe you don't have the the most fashionable wardrobe. Maybe you don't have much in the way of clothes, period. Fashionable or not. But Paul understood this. And through all of those things, he learned to be content maybe when we don't have much in the bank account or much in the fridge or a nice wardrobe that through our lack of these things god is trying to teach us something of the lesson of contentment we don't tend to think that way i don't think we tend to think that way in the midst of that you know we tend what oh, was me kind of that's what i do anyways but uh I tend to go, oh, I would, you know, I look at what I don't have and then I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm upset and because I don't have that. But I, I think of when I, when I read this, that he learned contentment. I think of thankfulness. There's so many things that we can be thankful for. When we do find ourselves focusing on what we don't have, we should redirect our focus on what we do have in the Lord. I think we'll find ourselves better off in the area of contentment. If we focus on what we do have in the Lord. That's, that, that's, that's hard sometimes. That's hard. It is. It's a hard thing for us at times to focus on things when we're going through it. When maybe we don't have money in the, the account and we got bills to pay. But we can always be thankful. We can redirect our focus on the things that we do have in the Lord. And that helps. It does help. If we truly, truly focus on what we do have in the Lord, our attention begins to change. Our focus begins to change. Our thinking begins to change. And we begin to be thankful, and we begin to be uh, content in the things that we have. And so verse 13, he says, and this is probably, probably one of the most famous verses, and probably one of my favorite verses, and it's, I can do all things, Through Christ who strengthens me. Right? And and I think often we, uh, I don't know, and and I'm learning this, I'm still learning the depth of what this verse means in a practical sense in my own life. You know, Paul's not saying, and this is a real, this is just an exaggeration, but I'm not going to jump off the cliff because, you know, he can do all things, you know, uh, who strengthens me. I can do all things who strengthens me. No, it doesn't say that we're to just go jump off the cliff because you know, I can fly, you know. Because I can do all things. You know, that's not what he's saying. You know, that would be ridiculous, obviously, right? Um, but we tend to kind of think that, and I think it's important to look in the context of what he's, why he says that. Where at that particular verse is positioned contextually. Um, that will help us shed some light in exactly what he's talking about. You know, we jump off that cliff, we're gonna splat, is what we're gonna do, right? <laughs> you know? We're not gonna fly. We're not gonna sprout wings and fly, you know, somehow, because I can do all things through Christ. We can't, I can't break the chain, you know, because I can do all things. Maybe a little skinny one, but when Paul says I can do all things, he means those things which are God's will for him to do those things that God has given him to do, that maybe is good, bad, or ugly, I can do all things through that who gives me strength. Through those things. It's through his will. We can do all, thing, all those things which are God's will for us to do through Christ who strengthens us. Whatever, the God, whatever God allows us to go through. Notice in the context, Paul is speaking of the difference of not having stuff and having stuff. Not having food and having food, etc. And immediately after he says this, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live with little and I can live with plenty. I have learned to be content in every state. But it is Christ who enables me to do that. It's Christ who enables me to do that. Christ who gives me strength or who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in the context, he's talking about, you know, I didn't have much food and I have, I have food. And I didn't have much food there. and I didn't have much in the way of, of you know, substance here. But, and then I have a lot of substance. I've learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is what he's talking about. I hate to burst your bubble on that one because sometimes we tend to use that one and want to use it as a soft pillow, you know, to, um, you know, and then as we squander everything, you know, and then we, oh, but, you know, I can do all things, you know, whatever. I can live with little and I can live with plenty. I have learned to be content in every state, but it is Christ who enables me to do that. It's not my own strength, but through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's saying it's not in my own strength that I learned contentment. But how do we get this strengthening through Christ? We be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We let our request be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds through Christ. That peace will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That peace. But notice the parallel. Notice the parallel if you look back in verse 6. And verse 13, there's a connection between these two verses. So if you're praying in all things, good or bad, you'll have the peace of God guarding your hearts and minds in all things, good or bad. You're going to be, you're going to just be content because you've been praying for everything, you've been giving it all to the Lord, everything. And you're going to have that peace, that peace of God. He says, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known with thanksgiving. As, you're, as we're praying you know, for all things, he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, there's a, connect, there's a connection there. Contentment and the peace. That peace speaks about, in verse 6, is manifested in the form of contentment that one will receive as a result of praying in all things. As we pray in all things, we gain peace and we gain contentment. They're like synonymous. You have contentment, you have peace. You have peace, you have contentment. Right. So they're, they're kind of connected. Verse 6, prayer. How do we be strengthened? We, we're strengthened through prayer. Through prayer. That's how we, we come to the Lord. We come to the Lord and, and pray and cast our cares upon Him, knowing that He cares for us. We commit our, our concerns and our thoughts and our everything to Him. And as we do that, there's this transaction that occurs. We gain power in our lives. We gain the ability to uh, continue on, but also at the same time we get peace. We get contentment in our lives as we cast our cares upon the Lord. Prayer. It's through prayer. When we, when we have peace guarding our hearts, we will have contentment in our hearts as well. Peace and contentment are basically one and the same. But that strengthening comes through Christ. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. That is, I can do all things that He has allowed that are His will for me, whether in feast or famine, rich or poor, sickness or in health, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so verse 14 to 16 says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Notice there's... Uh, There's a reciprocal blessing in giving. He says, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. The one receiving the gift gets blessed. But Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. And so the giver gets something even better than the one who receives. The giver in God's economy, the giver is the one who gets more out of it. As we give as unto the Lord, we get more, and and, and the giver is storing up treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, waiting for him when he gets into heaven. You know the, the the Philippians and Paul, they just had this unique bond, you know, between them, and and the Philippians shared, you know, they shared a lot of their substance. And a lot of, a lot of that, that, that unique bond that they had, it was, uh, it was due to them supplying their substance to Paul in his time of need. You know, that sharing of their substance, giving of themselves, giving of what they have. You know, in that giving, they formed a bond. And it, notice he was the only, they were the only ones that shared with him. Of all the churches that Paul had, Colossians, Ephesians, you know, all of them, the only ones that did share was the Philippians. Paul says that they were the only church that gave to help Paul in the ministry. And it's not a mistake that the Holy Spirit allowed this portion of Scripture to be recorded. It's so important that they, you know, the Holy Spirit allowed this little section here that we could read uh, in the importance of giving. The importance of giving and sharing. With one another, that we be a giving people. But I think the awesome thing is about our church here. I was looking on our website, and uh, under missions, and you look at all the people that we support, all the different, all things possible. You know, we 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 uh, support a a missionary uh, Helen in, in Uganda. Uh, we we uh support um, a couple um, the Woodalls uh Jesse and Mallory uh who take bibles into china uh we're supporting them we're support- and then the list goes on there's a whole bunch of different uh people that we support that we give to them that's something that god is just makes god happy you know that we do that that we that we are extending help that's what we are and and we need to continue to be that because it pleases God, and they have, you know, written in the in the the Word of God for eternity. We have this recording of this one church, who who uh, gave of their substance to Paul for the work of the ministry. What an amazing little spot right there. I mean, sometimes we tend to look, oh yeah, well they gave, but no one else did, and it's written there. It's written there for us to look back and, and see the importance of that, and so. The Philippians sent to Paul twice when he was in Thessalonica. They had established a history of supporting Paul. And now here they sent Epaphroditus all the way to Rome to send him another love offering. Right? So, remember, finally, you know, it was tough to get a package to Paul. Uh, He was shipwrecked somewhere out in the ocean somewhere finally they don't we don't know where he's at you know they crashed you know the, the the boat and so now he's on the island of Malta Epaphroditus in the meantime is searching for Paul wondering where is he finally gets word that they uh, Paul leaves the island of Malta and finally goes to Rome Epaphroditus gets word okay he's in Rome now and so so now here we have Epaphroditus finally goes makes his trek a pretty good journey over to where Rome is and gives them the package. And, uh, you know, so finally they, they hook up. And um, I just remembered, you know, when I was in Mexico again, uh, just that encouragement that I remember getting. I started out with about 60 bucks a month. Um, down there we kind of, Took that money that we had, our team, and we pooled it, and we used it for ministry needs, and um, you know, and, and uh, it uh, it was you know it was beans and tortillas for a while, you know. I mean, based you have to pay for, pay for your rent, and uh, you know your utilities and all that kind of stuff. You still got to pay for all that, and yet still live, you know. And uh, so it was it was some lean times there at the beginning, and uh, but it was trusting the Lord, you know, trusting that you know. I had to I had to really look back and go, um, Lord, you said, you you said, Lord, that look at the birds of the air, look at the the, the the lilies of the field, the flowers of the field, have you not clothed them and I mean Solomon in all of his glory, you know, was never arrayed like one of these, you know, um, you know, and, and the birds they don't fret and worry and they just go out and collect and they got and they're not over there ring their hands, well, how am I going to eat? You know? God provided How much more are we? Jesus told them. And I had to I had to remember those things. I had to start to bring those to remembrance. Okay, Lord, I'm here for you. You know, I'm here because I believe you've sent me, you know, to do this. And and uh, but man, I'm I'm barely making it here. And and uh you know, little by little as I continue to be faithful, as I continued to um you know do what God had called me to do. Make disciples, share the love of Christ. Just love people there. God began to, you know, demonstrate His faithfulness in that. As I showed Him, Lord, I'm I'm here for I'm here for however long you want, Lord. I'm not moving because it's a little hard. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue because you know you called me to, and so um, I did that. And God continued. He just showed Himself faithful and provided. And, and by the time I was done, you know, my time there, my four years, it was like fifteen hundred a month versus sixty bucks a month, because churches, the Lord through the body of Christ began to, um, I'd get letters. They would say, "Hey, we're praying for you, brother. You know, hey, um, we, we haven't forgotten about you. You know, we, you know, we, we just, you know, want to just." We're going to give you fifty bucks a month, you know, uh, from our church, you know, and and letters just to encourage, you know, and and to to be one on the recipient end of that, you know, was such a blessing, you know, being so far away from everything that was, um, you know, common to me and 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 familiar to me, and to receive that letter from people back home uh, to show that hey, I haven't forgotten you, I haven't forgotten you, I'm I'm, we're here with you, we're we're linking arms with you. In this in this endeavor to uh, make disciples, and um, and it was just it spoke so much to me, encouraged me, encouraged me in the Lord to press on, to move forward. When I got those little love gifts from people, just as just an acknowledgement that hey, we we love you, and we're thinking about you, and we're praying for you, and here here's something that'll help, you know. Such a blessing to have that, and. You know, we had gotten to a point, our church, too, uh, had gotten to a point where we had a worship team, we had a youth group, we had, you know, children's ministry, we had, you know, the church was growing. And we we had full, packed services, and people were, were tithing. And it was from scratch, this church just became a church from nothing. Most of the people were raised Catholic, and, and who had given their lives to Christ, you know, and so now here they are coming to you know some of them are from the more of a Pentecostal background because there are a lot of Pentecostal churches there in Mexico you know they 're not really teaching the word, and we were teaching the word, we were teaching the Bible verse by verse and 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 people were responding to that god was God was working, and people were being touched, and they were wanting to give to the lord and so then so it came to a point where we were We weren't having to use our support money to pay the rent and utilities and all that for the church building anymore. It was actually coming out from the body of Christ was doing that, and and that was that was what we were trying to do. We were trying to let it go, get it to a point where God raises up a leader, and then we just move on to another place. You know, God wanted God wanted that for us to do that. You know, that we would just you know raise up disciples, disciple them, equip them, and then move on. And so that was the goal, and it was working, it was doing, that That was what God was doing in the process. And so it's such a blessing to see, you know, uh, that support from back home, because that would have never happened had it not been for a supporting church back home, taking care of, helping us, letting us know that we're with you, we're with you. We may not be there with you, but we're with you in spirit and And uh, it's so nice to have that as a missionary, knowing firsthand that one who was in the mission field and receiving those love gifts so it means so much, it means so much and um, and it's necessary it's not just that it makes me feel good it's it's necessary it's a necessary thing. God would have us to give, He wants us to be givers, he wants this church to be giving, in which we do. Which we are, this is more of an affirmation message for us here, because we are a giving church. We do give. This church is giving, blessing people all over the world. And so, verse 17, 18, he says, Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul was more concerned, really, more concerned with what uh, they would get from their act of giving. Paul was a true shepherd. He wasn't worried about himself. He was more concerned about them and their spiritual bank account. Fruit in their account. They really took good care of Paul, though. And so he said he was amply supplied. And then notice the description of the gifts they gave to him. Paul told them it was a sweet-smelling offering that rose up to heaven. It was a worthy giving of something that was not convenient. It was not convenient for them to give. It was a sacrifice. That's what a sacrifice is. It's not out of our abundance that we give. It's it's out of pov- the, our poverty. Oftentimes, that's when God really blesses. Is that when we trust Him completely, even though we don't have. We still give. We give out of our poverty, not our abundance. It was a sacrifice. Paul said though it was acceptable. It was a worthy offering. And then he says it is pleasing to God. It pleased God that they gave this sweet-smelling gift that wasn't convenient to give. It was a sacrifice, but it pleased God. And this gift was remembered throughout the ages. We, we have it written right here. Written in the Word of God that will endure forever. You know, this one little thing here that I've mentioned, it's like, it it seems like you know you don't really find this anywhere else in the scripture this little story of how they supplied and nobody else did it's written there it was that simple act of kindness that was put into the philippian church's account forever one day we'll find out the things that maybe didn't seem to be much to us at the time we just we just maybe uh, gave out of, uh, believing that, you know what, Lord, you know what, I'm just gonna give this to this person because they, they just, they need it, you know? And, and the Lord puts it on your heart and He touches you and you're like, you know what, you'll, you'll take care of my needs, God. you you're in control of all my needs. You know what? You, it's okay. And you give. And, but then you don't even think about it. You don't even almost remember it sometimes. Time passes and you're like, oh, I did? You know? A lot, of, a lot of times that happens because we give because it's out of really, out of our poverty and we're just kind of uh, giving because it's the Lord that put it on our hearts to do it. And so one day we're going to find out those things that didn't seem much to us at the time, but in eternity it was counted as a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And so verse 19, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Again, another famous verse, very, you know, one that people often quote, you know, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now Paul tells him, because it was a sacrifice for you, and because it wasn't convenient for you, it was a sacrifice, because it wasn't convenient for you to give to me so much so that you may be having trouble taking care of your own needs now. Because of the fact that you gave to me, now you're putting yourself at risk, is what he's saying. It was a sacrifice for them to give. That's what a sacrifice is. He says, because you may be having trouble taking care of your own needs, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this thing to to encourage you and to comfort you when you have given, even when you didn't have really it to give, but you gave it anyways, believing and trusting God by faith, Because remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But you acted in faith and gave out of your poverty, not your abundance. I want to tell you this, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. William MacDonald, a Bible commentator, said the following concerning this verse. He said, how many people take this out of context and use it as a soft pillow for Christians who are squandering their money on themselves with seldom a thought for the work of God. They tell themselves, that's all right, God will supply all your needs. But really he's talking about people who gave, their their concern is for the work of God, not just spending it on whatever and then hoping that God will supply all my needs. No, he was saying, there was a real concern for the work of God, even to the point where it, was, it actually was putting them in a bad place. And yet Paul was just saying, you know, God will take care of it. God will take care of you. The Philippians sound like they didn't give out of their abundance because it was an acceptable sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. They gave all that they could, all that they could, even to the point of putting themselves at risk, being concerned with Paul's welfare over their own. Ouch! <laughs> Is that not convicting? I mean, I tend to think of my own well-being. I, I don't. This kind of, you know, concern, um, you know. We need to have that more. We need to have that more. We need to demonstrate that kind of concern and thought for others. You know, more so. And the Philippians had that. They were concerned about Paul. They thought about Paul. They were concerned about him and wanted to make sure that he was taken care of. Paul says, "I, I know you didn't give out of your abundance, but you gave actually out of your poverty to make up what was lacking for me. And because of that, my God will take care of you. My God will take care of all your needs. And so, God would have us to be a giving church. He wants us to be giving. Now, that's God. for God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. God is a giving God. God wants us to be giving. Wants us to be givers. Sometimes, sometimes you know, I, I know there's been times where you can give, um, and it really hurts to give. And but then God just shows Himself faithful. He shows Himself faithful because we are trusting Him. We're trusting that He's going to take care of it. Because you know, I'm. It's like you, it's almost like a test to the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm going to give. Not that we do, but it, but the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful to provide for us when we, from, as, as God would lead us to give to somebody in need more than what we have, as we do that, God is faithful to provide for our needs. And um, so, verse 20, 22 says, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 21 says, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And so Paul mentions all the believers who were sending them greetings, especially those of Caesar's household. There were many people around Caesar that had received the Lord in his household. Two famous Romans were Seneca and Lucian. Josephus, the Jewish historian, documented concerning the Empress and said she was a believer in the true God. And also many of Emperor Nero's servants had become Christians. Probably because of the witness of so many Christians who were killed by Nero. He would literally crucify them uh, in his courtyard and light them on fire and ride through his courtyard on his chariot uh, just for fun. No doubt, I'm sure the witness of that probably affected a lot of the servants that worked for him, that were under him. And so Paul's last words in verse 23 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And so he begins the letter with grace and he ends the letter with grace. You know, sandwiched in grace. You know, how we need God's grace. You know, God's grace is so important. I mean, we need his unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor for us. Um, You know, we we don't deserve. We don't deserve. But He loves us anyways. He wants to pour out. He wants to lavish us with His love. You know, He wants to lavish us. I mean, we don't really think that way. But you know what? God does want to lavish us. I mean, we need to believe that. We need to receive that. We need to receive that God wants to lavish His love on us. Grace is a gift. It's it's gift. It's a, it's a gift to us. His unmerited favor. He favors us. He favors us. That's what God wants. He wants to favor. He, he does favor us. We need to believe that and stop listening to the lies of the enemy that would say um, that, that we are not favored. In the Lord, we are favored because of Christ, because we have accepted Christ. And he says that to the world too. He says that to every single person. That's the, that's the gospel message. The gospel message that he wants us to share with the world who needs Christ, who needs to know the grace of God, that needs to know that, hey, it's not by works that I could do, but by faith in Him. Simply, just simply believing in Jesus, believing in what he did for us on the cross. And he, he, remember, we talked about that in chapter three, is that the righteousness of God, not having my own righteousness, which is based on works that I could do, but based on the righteousness of Christ, his righteousness. He was the one who loved his neighbor, he was the one who, uh, you know, gave his life for. Uh, another he loved and so now he says here i love you and i want you to come to that right relationship with me that you would know that i love you more than i can even tell you i'm going to show you how much i love you by dying on the cross that grace god's grace unmerited favor means you didn't earn it you didn't you can't earn it and so he ends this letter with grace so important, such an important thing. Pastor Chuck Smith, you know, he was—he um, wrote a book, "How Grace Changes Everything." Highly recommend that book. So much, everything is about grace—the grace of God. We sing about the grace of God. God's grace is—is is, we can always fall back on God's grace when we have failed, when we have, you know, don't feel like we're good enough. We fall back on His grace. His grace is what we stand in, not in our own works of righteousness, but His grace because of what He did. And so this ends this great letter, one of the greatest letters. He's, he wrote this while he was chained to a, a, a Roman guard and says to, that he learned to be content. He said it to be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving. Um, you know, what an amazing letter, you know. And um, I'm sure that the Philippians, when they got word back from Epaphroditus, that uh, they were encouraged. There was a reciprocal blessing to just hear the words of God, really, that we have. This letter that we have today, they received personally as, as words of encouragement to continue on. This is how you are to continue on. Be a giving church. Be a praying church. And be a church who thinks on these things. Whatever is good, true, lovely, pure, noble, praiseworthy, a virtue. whatever is of virtue. And you'll do good. You'll be fine. You'll be just fine if you do those things. And so, what an amazing letter. I hope. You're blessed. I was blessed by teaching through that last two chapters and going through the whole book. It was just such an amazing book. And um, So let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Thank you so much for your grace. And Lord, thank you for God just uh, speaking to our hearts and teaching us your word. And thank you so much for just what we did learn from this book, this great book, God. And we know, Lord, it was written under some harsh circumstances. And yet, Lord, we can still have contentment and peace in you, Lord. In, as we commit our thing, our, our uh, concerns and cares, Lord, we can have peace and contentment in you. And, uh, Lord, it's so, so awesome that we have access to you. We have a free, open door anytime, God. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you, God, and and, uh, commit this time to you. Commit our day to you and pray that you be glorified in, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.